Welcome to Radical Simple Living podcast number six. Now, the whole idea of these podcasts is they're free-floating. It's not like a radio show that you listen to every week and everybody's listening at the same time. You might be listening to this three months, six years after I recorded it, I don't know. So it will be out of phase with when it's recorded. But I will tell you I'm recording this podcast at the very end of the calendar year. That space just before the year is about to change. Now, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, the year changes in the middle of summer. And for me, somebody that's lived in the Northern Hemisphere all my life, that's a bit unusual. I can't quite imagine that. And for those of you who live in the Southern Hemisphere, you might find it hard to imagine what it's like to have the year changing in the middle of winter. It's just the crazy way we've organised this calendar of ours and the crazy way that the the world works. Everything is dictated by the names we gave to the month and the dates we set on the month here in Europe and the rest of the world has to live with it pretty much, which might not strike you as fair. Now today's podcast is all about how we fit in with that year and how we fit in with those changing seasons, assuming we're not living on the equator, and also how we adjust to the rhythms of the day, how we adjust to the rhythm of our lifetime, how we get older, how various things happen to us over the course of our life. And it's important if you want to live a radically simple life to accept these things, to accept the way nature has dictated our planet works and try and work with that rather than against it. Now, some of us, and this may be you, And if it is you, it's not your fault, it's the way things are. Some of us live almost disregarding the year that's going on around us, and we almost disregard the day. We disregard our biological rhythms, we disregard how nature works, and we tend to work in a little world where years and days don't matter. Now, when I say this isn't our fault, it's because industry, commerce has dictated this to us. It's decided what time we have to start work in the morning. It's decided when we finish. It has decided when our holidays are every year. It's pretty much decided when the festivals are every year, when those holidays occur. And we don't have a lot of say in it. So you could wake up one morning. It's my fire crackling. You could wake up one morning The curtains are drawn, you're in your bedroom. You don't know if outside it is light or outside it is dark. You don't know what temperature is outside because you've either got a bedroom that is centrally heated, it's got radiators or underfloor heating, or if it's in summer, it's possibly got air conditioning. So the temperature in your bedroom is pretty much around the same all the year round. And what you do is you get up and you have breakfast, your kitchen is nice and warm, you switch on lights, you may or may not draw blinds and curtains, either way, you can do what you have to do at the same time every day of the year, no matter what the weather is like. Now you probably have to make a bit of a journey from your house to your car. 
Maybe you've got an underground garage, I don't know. But chances are you have to make a bit of a journey and that might be the time of the day when you get to see what the weather is like and you get to see if it's raining or dry or snowing or sunny or windy or cold or warm. A few minutes, maybe not even that. You get into your car that also has heating and air conditioning. That also is a controlled environment which then gets you to work which for the sake of argument, let's say is in an office somewhere. You get out of your car, you go into your office again. Artificial lighting, heating, air conditioning, all sorts of things to fool you to think that every day is pretty much the same. Well, the news is every day isn't the same. Unless you happen to live on the equator, days and years are going to be very, very different. Now compare and contrast, if you can, this with the life that your great-grandparents would have led maybe 150 years ago. Um, they would have been very aware when it was winter because it would have been cold getting up in the morning. Even if they were wealthy and living in a big home, it still would have been cold in the morning in the winter and it still would have been dark. It still would have been cold when they went to bed that night. They would have had to sit in cold rooms they would have had to put up with poor lighting. When it got dark, they possibly had to use oil lamps, something like that. But that's not the same as switching on electric lighting and instantly having all the lights you want to do whatever you need to do. So somehow we've become divorced a little bit and separated from that natural world out there. Now, I've known over the years lots of people that have worked in offices and what they've done to try and get to grips with this is when the weekend comes, they will make sure that they get outside. They will make sure they get into the countryside. They will go walking. They will go doing various sports. They will do anything to try and make up for that week when they've been coddled into this artificial um, lifestyle in order to earn their living. Now, it's important, I think, that we do try and keep in touch with the year. And getting out is important. And there's all sorts of ways you can do this. One of the ways is to just try and get exercise. If you live close enough to your work, walking to work. If you live near public transport, get on some public transport. Occasionally you can do this. Occasionally you can do things to remind you what the year is like. Go for a stroll in the evenings, walk a dog, do something just to get your body used to the time of year because the evidence shows us that that's very important for your immune system and for your overall health. So it's worth doing. Now, I live in Sweden and one of the things about living in Sweden, even in the south of Sweden where I live, is in winter days are short. In the very north of Sweden, days don't happen in the middle of winter. But in the part of Sweden I live in, days are very short, nights are long in winter. And in summer, conversely, I almost don't see the dark in the summer because when I go to bed, it's still light. Not bright daylight, but light enough to be outside and doing things if I wanted to. And when I get up, it's light too. So I've had to adjust to this different way of the seasons here. And I look at the Swedes that live locally, who've lived here for generations, and the way they get by, and the way they are so successful at getting by, is they accept 
the year, they accept the weather, they accept the dark, they accept the sun, and they work with it, not against it. And I think that's very, very important for all of us to do. I know that I am famous for getting up early, and in the summer, I don't sleep very many hours, and I can get up at sometimes 4, sometimes 4.30, and I can get going, and it's wonderful. In the winter, it's dark, it's cold, I need more sleep. And again, getting more sleep in the winter is an important thing to do. It seems a biological necessity. So if your lifestyle doesn't provide you with the opportunity to sleep a bit longer in winter than it does in summer, maybe that's one of the things you could look at. And believe me, the best way to get a good night's sleep is not to get up late, it's to go to bed early. Now again, you might think that's a, a bit of personal preference, but there's been a whole load of research, especially in the last 12 months, which you can find on the internet, which says that waking up early is protective towards your immune system. It helps your body produce the hormones it's got to produce, and it helps you sleep better at night. So you may want to review the time you get up and the time you go to bed. And the other thing we know is that people that try and lie in and get lots of extra sleep at the weekend, it doesn't actually work that well. So the ideal is to get up the same time at the weekend as you get up the rest of the week, which to some of you probably sounds one of the most awful ideas you've ever heard. But research shows it's a good idea. Now, people have problems sleeping and they have two kinds of problems. One is those people that fall asleep very early, like me. I fall asleep before I go to bed. <laughs> There's a time of night when I can't keep my eyes open, whatever I do. And there are those people that can't get to sleep. There are people that wake up very early and there are people that can't wake up. So there's all kinds of sleep problems. And I'd like to read you a little quote here from Virginia Woolf. She said, fatigue is the safest sleeping draft. And it is. If you try and get really tired by physical activity, you are not going to have problems sleeping. I know the times of the year when I'm chopping wood and stacking wood and doing all sorts of things involving the, the, the provision of fuel for the winter. Boy, do I sleep well. It's no problem. And I know on those days when it's a, the weather's a bit bad and I don't get as much time outside as I should, then I sleep badly. So try and think about exercise and how you get it and when you do it. There's a, all sorts of advice on when you should do exercise. and it, Apparently it's very different from men and women. But if you're not doing physical work, if you're not working at something, if you're not a lumberjack in the day, but you're an office worker... You might want to think about doing some exercise at home. Choose carefully the time of day you do it to get your body good and tired by the time you get to bed. And this brings us on to the next bit of, of the podcast, which is how you manage your day. Is there a simple way to manage your day? And the answer to that is, yes, there is. It's to have a plan. If you wake up, okay, if you've got to go to work, the plan is there. It's just being imposed on you by somebody else. But there'll be days when you don't have to go to work. There's weekend days. There's a lot of people work from home. 
There's a lot of people who are retired. There's a lot of people who don't have paid employment at the moment. And you can do all sorts of things to give structure to your day, which will actually help you achieve more and live more simply. Now, what I'm going to tell you is my rules for the day here. And of course, my rules apply to my life, not yours. So you must draw up your own rules. But this is how it goes with me. I get up pretty much at the same time every day of the week. I do have seasonal variations, as I've said. But generally speaking, I get up the same time, whether it's a weekend day or a weekday. And I have rules for how that works. First of all, I get up. I, I get washed and dressed, I come and I have things that need doing. The first thing I attend to is animals. Now, the animals in my life are cats and chickens. Um, the cats need feeding. They need, if they've stayed in overnight because the weather's been bad, they need their litter tray sorting. They need a, a stroke. They need their ears twigging. Uh, they need all sorts of attention in the morning. They need water bowls refilling. So animals are first. I also keep chickens. I, I don't eat eggs at all, but my children do. And chickens will need feeding. In the winter, they need feeding very late once it's light. And in the summer, they need feeding very early. They need their water seeing too. They need their water changing. Now, I can't vary from this routine. Those animals depend on me. If I don't feed the chickens, if I don't feed the cats, if I don't water them, they don't get their food that day. So it's essential you look after animals first. In my life, anyway. I then have to look after plants. Now that might mean if I've got seedlings growing indoors, if I've got plants growing outside that have just been transplanted, especially if it's summer and I'm up really early before the children, I will go and water the plants. I'll inspect if there's been... I have an arch enemy here. Uh, you might not think it, but my arch enemy is the slug in all its manifestations. I have to check to make sure there isn't slug damage in the morning. I have to um, check that the slugs haven't tried invading the vegetable plots and eating everything on it. I have to water plants. I have to support plants that have fallen over in the night if it's been windy. So that's my next priority. Then it comes on to humans. Notice humans come after... Um, animals and plants because humans in the case of my children are not likely to get out of bed until I go and wake them and if that's a school day they need waking up and getting ready and feeding and checking and making sure they're happy and healthy and ready to get on with their day that has to be done in the morning and that has to be done in keeping with the time of the school day or the college day that they have to go in with so all that part of the day, I really haven't had any say in, but it's how I used to do it. It's how I do it every day because that's the way it works. Now, there are jobs that need doing in the house continuously. There's washing up, there's cleaning down work surfaces, there's tidying up, there's putting things away, there's doing laundry there's making beds, there's all those things that need doing. And the best way to get those jobs out of the way is fairly early on, especially if you're washing because you want to get that washing dry outside in the wind. Um, and the earliest you get it on the line, the fastest it's dried. So that's important. 
and there's little rules about putting washing on the line. If you notice white things and light things reflect more light than they absorb and dark things absorb more light. So the simple rule with washing is the, the white wash and then the light wash go on the line first and then the dark wash later and even then the dark wash is often dry first. So those things have to be done. Now as well as those everyday jobs there's also bigger jobs. There's the time of the year when you have to plant potatoes. There's the time of the year when you have to harvest beans. There's the time of the year when the lawn seems to need cutting all the time. My lawn's getting smaller every year as I get more vegetable plots on it. But you get the idea. So there are jobs that aren't everyday jobs but still need to be done. And then there are those very big jobs like decorating uh, a child's bedroom or retiling the bathroom. All those jobs are big and they require a lot of planning and a lot of thought into when is the best time to do them. Being in Sweden, outside paint takes a lot of punishment here with the heavy frost and the bright sunshine of summer. So there's painting jobs that need to be done every year and they have to be done. And you don't want to leave those too late in the year and you don't want to leave them to the month when it rains the most. So you have to plan for this. So what you need to do is to work that into your routine or work that into your life. There's another little quote I've got here. This is from Emily Bronte. A person who has not done half his day's work by 10 o'clock runs the chance of leaving the other half undone. Boy, is that true. Now, going back to quotes, a lot of people think quotes taken out of context are not very good. I disagree. I think a quote taken out of context is a wonderful thing because it just gives you a little snippet of insight that you can hang on to. And if you don't like things out of context, you have to accept that every still photograph you've ever seen has been out of context. If you take a picture of your cat, nobody knows what happened to your cat after that photograph was taken or what that cat was doing before you took the photograph. It's a snapshot of your cat. And chances are, if you were going to put your snapshot of your cat up on social media, because do you know people do that? It's true. They take photographs of their cat, they put them up on social media. Sometimes it seems that sort of social media was invented for. And if you've ever done that, have you ever gone, first of all, before you put the picture up and have you cut out a few things either side? The pile of laundry that you hadn't put away on one side, the plate that you haven't taken off the table on the other side. Do you go and trim down your photograph till it's just your cat? So when you put that up, your cat is taken out of context. So every quote you ever see is taken out of context. And it's no different. It's just a snapshot of somebody's thoughts. And I think it's good. And I'm going to continue to do it. So Emily Bronte basically saying, if you have this point in the morning at 10 o'clock and you're not halfway done by 10 o'clock, you're in trouble. And many of you will be resonating with that, I'm sure, because it's true. Time and time again, that gets true. Now, I don't know how disciplined you are as a person. Um, do feel free to tell me, but 
If you're not very disciplined, what you might like to try and do is do yourself a timetable, not a school timetable when you're putting in Thursday afternoon, period four, geography or anything like that. But the sort of timetable where you say, oh, every Monday I change the beds or every Wednesday I give the windows in the kitchen a bit of a, a clean. And you can do that. There's nothing wrong with a timetable. But if I were you, I'd try and get your timetable to build in a day when nothing is scheduled to be done, because that way you'll be able to cope with, A, those little things that go wrong, like you have to go out for a day, or um, you're not feeling well one day, and you don't want to change the bed if you've got backache. So it's important that we build in little bits of freedom into any timetable we come up with, otherwise it will be unmanageable, and it will rule you, and it will ruin your simplicity. Build in space to allow you to be a human and occasionally get things wrong. Okay, so that's the day and the week pretty well sorted. And one of the ways, if you are working a week, that you can try and keep aware of the seasons is by bringing the seasons into your home. And you can just have in the centre of your table something that reminds you what season it is every day. And we do these things, don't we? At the winter, if it's Christmas or, or, or Hanukkah, or if it's Diwali or whatever festivals you celebrate in your family, I'm sure that there are things on your table which indicate what time of year it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can do this all the year round if you like. In springtime you can have bulbs, crocus, hyacinth. Um, you can go and cut branches of willow and hazel and put them into jars. You can even have a jar of frog spawn as long as you put it back in the pond when the meal is finished so everybody can look at it and make sure nobody thinks it's one of the courses. Um, uh, what you have to do, there's an English dish called tapioca pudding, which bears an incredible resemblance to Foxball. So make sure you don't make that mistake. Any any uh, listeners in the UK or maybe other parts of the world where that particular dish has travelled to, you'll know what I mean. All children call it Foxball. In the summertime, you can go and get some flowers. Now, you needn't go to a florist and buy some flowers. You can go and pull some wildflowers up somewhere as long as they're not rare you can they didn't have to be unusual you can have a, a jam jar of dandelions in your table if you want you can have some grasses now if you suffer from hay fever with grasses try spraying them with some hair lacquer or something before you put them on your table it will keep all the pollen in place and stop people from suffering and you can bring fruits you can bring produce from your garden and put it in a bowl in the middle of the table to look at in the fall you can have leaves you can have nuts and berries and pumpkins and gourds and all kinds of fruit ears of corn look wonderful that's fine and in the winter of course you can have the holly the ivel the mistletoe evergreens bits of dogwood and willow and at any season of the year you can bring in some twigs and you can bring in some stones or you can bring in rocks you can bring in all sorts of things seashells are wonderful seashells on the table just for a while just to remind you there's an outside world out there and your world is very enclosed but the outside world is nature 
and you need to get that nature into your ho house to remind you um, that what kind of season it is. Now, winter darkness can be a bit upsetting. So I think it's important in the winter that you look closely at the lighting in your house. Now, I know that's difficult at the moment because electricity is very expensive nowadays. I, I don't need to remind you about that. You know it. So I usually have all kinds of lights on in the house, but this winter I've had to rationalise that. And quite often I sit with the lights low and just a candle on. But do use lighting to help you get through those dark winter evenings and to keep you cheerful. And think very carefully. One of the things that my children used to enjoy when they were younger, and they probably still do, is an Amish night. And what we do on Amish night, when it starts to get dark around October time, is see if you can have a meal in your kitchen with everything electrical switched off. So you can cook the meal and you sit by candlelight or by lamplight and you sit in silence or you can talk to one another. There's no music or noise of washing machines or any of these things going on in the background. And you can eat some nice home cooked food and you can in a way that's kind of celebrating the darkness, isn't it? And we know also there are all those festivities that bring light into the winter months. Diwali, Hanukkah, we've already mentioned um, in Sweden, uh, Lucia Day or Lucia Day, whichever you like to say, is an important source of light in the middle of winter. And of course, there's Christmas, whether you keep Christmas as a Christian that, that believes in um, the religious significance of those days, or whether you're fairly secular but still enjoy Christmas break, that's another excuse to brighten up the winter a little bit and help us towards that wonderful thing that is spring. And Looking forward is one of the most important things to keep you free of becoming depressed or becoming weary is always have things to look forward to. Always have things to look forward to that you can move into and you can think about and you can say that's wonderful. Now, I come from a, a Quaker background myself. I, uh, my Parents weren't Quakers, but I became... You, you don't convert to Quakerism, you become what's called convinced. And I was convinced into Quakerism very early in life. And Quakers have an unusual way of using a calendar. Now, lots of Quakers still use this. I've read some places they say, all oh, Quakers used to use this. Well, I know plenty of Quakers that still use this method. And the Quakers didn't have names for the months. They didn't call them January, February, March, April. They called them first month, second month, third month, and so on. And they didn't have names for days. They didn't say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They said first day, second day, third day, fourth day, and so on. So if you say, oh, it's the fourth day of the first week in the seventh month, a Quaker will know what you're talking about. Most other people will need to stop and work it out. But how we shape the year is very important, and most religious groups have tried to put some sort of shape on the year in front of them. And I want to tell you a little story here, and it comes from the Etruscans. Now, if you're not familiar with the Etruscans, many of you will be, they were the people that lived in Italy before the Romans. Now, what happened to them 
is a bit of a mystery because quite frankly I imagine they were just absorbed by Roman culture but many people believe that the Romans actually tried to destroy them as it did Rome was quite good at destroying cultures uh, as you will know but some of the Etruscan myths became incorporated into uh, Roman literature so I'm going to tell you a story of one of those myths now Right, are you sitting comfortably? Then I'll begin. Once upon a time, in ancient Italy, a ploughman was ploughing his field with oxen. And he noticed something in his field that was round and sticking out of the ground. And he thought that it was a rock. But he went to have a closer look, and it wasn't a rock. He realised that it was pink, and it was moving and he found it was a baby. It was a baby that was in the soil, a baby that was buried in the soil, and the baby's name was Tages. Now, Tages, as it happens, was a remarkable baby. Now, it wouldn't surprise you if you dig a baby out of a field, you'd expect it to be a little bit different, wouldn't you? Tages is a very clever baby, and it tells the uh, people, the, the Etruscan people, all kinds of things. For instance, it tells them that chickens know what the future holds. And if you kill a chicken and cup it, cut it open and look at its entrails, you will be able to see what the future holds. That's reading the entrails that became quite a big thing in the ancient world. But lots of other things too. And the, the stories are retold in Ovid. So if, you, if you've if you read Ovid at all in, in at any point in your life, you'll know these tales. If not, you can find them there. I'll put a link to it on my, um, on my blog, which is called radicalsimpleliving.blogspot.com. And there, every week when I record one of these broadcasts, I put some notes there to help you find some of the things I refer to. And one of the things Tages told people is that it's very important to have festivals. It's very important that every year you have festivals at certain times. And Tages said quite simply, festivals are the pillars that support the year. Festivals are the pillars that support the year. Now if you think about that, that's what we do. Living in Western Europe as I do, there's Christmas, there's Easter, there's May Day, there's Midsummer in Sweden, that's a big one. There's birthdays of family members. And all these things support the year because you're always moving from one to the next. You know, how many times do you hear people saying, oh, it's only six weeks till Christmas. Oh, we'll go and visit somebody at Easter. Or that People like to fit into the year because the year is 365 days, 12 months. It's a long span, and as well as these four seasons, we need other things. We need markers so we can see what's coming up, so we have things to look forward to, and we have things to look back at. And Tages, that bit of bit of wisdom from Tages there, I certainly support, that the festivals hold up the year. And if in case you're wondering what happened to Tages, he grew very quickly into a wizened old man, and returned to the field from which he was born and disappeared into the soil. So that was the end of Tages. Now, I, I don't know about your family, but um, 
mindsetly we have things we celebrate and things we don't celebrate. Quakers don't really celebrate anything for any religious reasons. Um, in fact, Quakers once upon a time went out of their way not to celebrate things. Nowadays, Quakers tend to pick and choose what they want to celebrate. In my house, we do have a, a break at Christmas and we do celebrate it. We do celebrate at Easter. We do a few other things. We always celebrate Diwali because it's such fun. Um, <laughs> eat lots of Indian food and light lots of candles. It's a good one. We also celebrate Hanukkah because it's not a... Uh, it's a Jewish uh, celebration, but it's also a celebration of Judaism that we can all join in. So we do that. Um, we also do some Swedish things, Midsummer and uh, Lucia Day, but not a lot apart from that. Now, I know some of you will come from Muslim families or Catholic families where there's a lot more things to celebrate in the course of a year. Draw up a little list of things you celebrate with people's birthdays and when the festivals are. And, oh, I just remember, we also celebrate Chinese New Year because it's a good opportunity to eat some Chinese food and get some fortune cookies. And, of course, I come from a, a Scottish family uh, on my mother's side, so always celebrate Burns Night, most important. Your family will have the things that it likes to celebrate and a simple life involves not ignoring these things, but incorporating them into your view of the year to help you live simply and in harmony. Now, as well as the year, there's some bigger cycle. We've spoken about days and we've spoken about weeks and we've spoken about years. But there's another cycle that goes on, and that's the cycle of lifetimes. Some of us are getting old and we're getting to the point where we realize our life isn't going to go on for decades longer a few years we don't know we never know when we're going to finish and some of us are very young and believe we've got decades and decades and decades of life in front of us now we don't know we can't tell we never know every day you hear about people dying at incredibly young ages and you think oh that's terrible Oh, that's terrible, they've been taken so young, and that hardly seems fair. And other times, my mother was a great one for stock phrases, and if, it, if she heard of anybody dying at a ripe old age, she always used to use her cricket analogy and say, oh, they'd had a good innings, meaning, well, you know, they'd had a full life, and that's, that's as good as you can expect, which it is, really. The important thing about getting older is that you recognise things, one, that your body will tell you you're getting older. You might fight it and you will do, as I do, and I hope all of us do, try and keep as fit as possible. To try not to indulge ourselves, to try and keep physically active, to try and keep mentally active, to try and do things. You're still going to get older, but you can slow down the effects of that ageing by doing that. And the other important thing is we should really go to a lot of trouble all of us to be kind and be tolerant and be supportive of people younger than us. Now that's easy when you're a, a young person and you form a partnership and you maybe have children and you know you're the big grown up and they're the children. But also when they're getting older and you're getting older too. Remember, then they don't come into the world as fully formed human beings. They need time to grow and develop. And you are the person 
that should be passing them down an example and you should be passing them down some wisdom too. And if you're an old person, if you're in the last quarter of your life, you should be there to support younger people. You might not be well enough to support them in a physical way and you may not be rich enough to support them financially, but with kindness and wisdom. Younger people looking after children have a difficult time, especially at the moment. It's really quite tough for people. So be kind to them, be considerate to them. Don't tut if their children make a noise in the supermarket or in a restaurant or cafe. Remember, all of us start off as children, all of us end up as adults, and we all have to share the planet together. Whatever our age, we're all living on it at the same time. Okay, it is the end of the year, and if you're listening now, I wish you a wonderful new year. And I realise that to some people it's not New Year, it's not Jewish New Year, it's not Chinese New Year, it's not Islamic New Year. But if it's New Year for you, enjoy it and may your next year be a really good one. Okay, thanks for living simply and thanks for letting me share my thoughts with you. Bye.